Hi guys, and welcome to the first episode of the Orca Nerd Podcast. We have our first guest today. His name is Josh McGinnis, and he is the research lead uh, for the Transient Killer Whale Research Project. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great. How are you? Good, thank you. So I wanted to first ask you um, about how you how your passion started for orcas. Um, that's a that's a long question from a long time ago. <laughs> like a start of a Star Wars movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. uh, that started uh, in when I was in my youth. I was about twelve years old. Um, I was I grew up in a small town on the North Vancouver Island. Um, it's called Port McNeil, Telegraph Cove area, and killer whales are kind of um, a very cultural symbol for the First Nations for a lot of the community. And um, basically, it's, you know, you can find postcards on killer whales. There's paintings everywhere, murals. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I saw my first orcas when I was 12, actually, on the beach. Um, wow. And then when I was fishing off a dock one day, I saw it was it was really interesting. We were we were just sitting there, my cousin and I, and um, uh, these Pacific white-sided dolphins had come basically screaming into the harbor in Port Hardy. And we everybody started running down to the docks to kind of look at to see what was going on. And and everything went quiet. The dolphins dove. They were probably within a couple hundred meters of us. And all of a sudden, the waters everywhere just exploded with killer whales throwing dolphins, specific white sided dolphins, to the air. And, and I was pretty young. I was about 12. And uh, I just basically was just sitting there with my jaw just dropped. And um, I, a couple of weeks after that, one of, well, one of the dolphins actually stranded and died um, on wow. the beach. Yeah. And. Um, I was invited about two weeks later to join um, a group from a high school to actually dissect that dolphin, uh, do a necropsy, what we call it. Um, and ever since then, I've been studying orcas, and uh, it's been probably close to 17, 18 years now. Oh, that's amazing. And that's such a great story, too. What That's doing a necropsy on something like that. I mean, to most people, it's kind of gross. But for anybody who is an orca lover or even any sort of cetacean lover, is that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I mean, you learn a lot from those uh, situations. I mean, that's what really took me on that trajectory of being a biologist um, was actually getting an opportunity to look at animals in in this kind of way. And I think that um, from then on end, you want to understand, you know, the mechanisms of why killer whales hunt and how they, you know, and that's where transients really became kind of my focus um, and how interesting that whole hunting behavior and, and their lifestyle really corresponds to their prey. And how they get their prey, sometimes it, it seems a little brutal, but it's so much more different than any other whales around the world, I feel like. Um, how did you start the, um, the Transient Killer Whale Research Project? So the Transient Killer Whale Research Project, that's another funny story. Um, we, I was in university. I uh, joined in a, uh, to do a BSc major in, in biology at the University of Victoria. And I was taking an animal behavior class, um, which is a favorite subject of mine. And uh, I met a couple of other students in there. And I, w- I was out looking at whale. I was whale watching for quite a few years, going out and looking at the orcas. And um, I decided that whale watching really wasn't the avenue I wanted to take. I was bored of talking about the same thing to the same people. And and I wanted to really start to dive into the science of the animal. So myself and about three other students got together and said, hey, we're going to find a way to go out there, not with guests from a whale watching company, but to go out there and really, you know, start collecting behavioral data on the orcas. So I ended up getting in hold of um, a, a local fiscal sponsor, um, the Oak Bay Marine Group at the time. And this is, I think, in 2013. And they decided they, they offered free boats. They had these rental boats for fishing. And um, they said, hey, if you guys fork the fuel, 
we'll we'll cover the rental costs and you guys can go and collect your data. So three years of that actually happened and and that began became the transient killer research project or what we also call it the monitoring study. Um, and we just went out and we collected data on on transient orcas and it ended up being uh, quite a long study and it grew um, from just um, our first initial area of southern Vancouver Island and Washington State, the San Juan Islands. And now, um, you know, it grew to meeting um, uh, collaborations with people in Alaska um, uh, with companies called Northwest Navigation where we do expeditions for local people anybody can go um, basically I'm a guest scientist on board a, a, a trip for about a week that goes throughout southeast Alaska and you get to go and learn about orcas and see them and um, you live aboard the ship this boat and you travel throughout the inside passage and it's pretty spectacular wow Oh, that's so cool. That's something, I mean, coming from the middle of Illinois, loving whales my whole life. I mean, that just sounds, that's a dream. That's a, that's a dream. That's amazing. Um, so something I wanted to ask, um, I read in an article um, about the research project that citizen science is actually pretty key to the project. How, how does that help? Well, citizen science is, is major. Um, the Transient Killer World Research Project is a citizen science project, but, um, but it's so important because um, there's, the, I mean, the, the British Columbia coastline spans about 30,000 kilometers, uh, 30,000 wow. 30, kilometers squared. Yeah. And these killer whales really don't have boundaries. They, um, don't have physical boundaries to stop them from moving. I mean, they're in their habitats, very homogeneous, which is basically means that it's, it's evenly spread and there's no real, like, once again, no boundary. So they can be, the one pod can be sighted. A transient pod can be sighted in southeast Alaska, and then two weeks later, it can be sighted, sighted off of San Juan Island. And that was actually a case we found when we, I did an Alaska um, expedition in 2014. And we did see a group up in Alaska, and then two weeks later, I found them in San Juan Islands. Uh, so, wow. Yeah, so I mean, it's a lot of area, which means that if you really want to get an, an idea of the spatial use of the habitat for transient killer whales, um, you really need the help of the public. So we get we have an email that people can send in. Um, you can also send us a message on Facebook. Uh, and people can just send in a report of a killer whale. We really need photographs for a lot or preferred, um, just so we can figure out who the whales are. And it's of course. Yeah, and it's important to try to figure out if they're resident or transient. Um, and then, you know, we, we take that data and we compile it for the entire coast and then we look at it through empirically through for through analysis and stuff like that so it's pretty fun it's it's, it's really neat to see and it's we really use the public's help on it that's awesome and um i actually just seen um something you guys had posted um on your facebook that there was a new calf born um to the was it the outer coast orcas in monterey in the monterey area um and i think talking about ids and iding the orcas and everything like that um i was a little confused um how there were um, the OCT or the Outer Coast Transients, and then they also had um, a CAID as well. Um, can you explain that a little bit, like how they kind of cross in between those, and do the Ts ever cross with the CAs? Oh, that's a good question, and that's um, that's something that's been um, part of our focal study now. So the OCT, uh, the Ts, the CAs, um, all these different letter or letter designations that are given to killer whales. So. Um, there's, there's more and more growing evidence, and in in I, I started to look at some of the orcas that would show up in, in southern Vancouver Island that weren't really part of um, this community up here, what we call the coastal transients or the intercoast, west coast transient community. So transient killer whales throughout the northeastern Pacific <laughs> is split into multiple 
subpopulation. So you have the overall ecotype of killer whales transient, and you have okay. pop- population, the population of transients spans from the Bering Sea to, the, to Southern California. And okay. then you have your ecotypes, or I mean, so your subpopulation. So you have the West Coast transient subpopulation, which is uh, basically spans from Southeast Alaska, South to Southern California. And then you have the Gulf of Alaska transients, which are another subpopulation or community that's in the Gulf of Alaska to around the central Aleutian Islands. Then you have the AT1s or the true gas transients, which are right now on the brink of extinction uh, that are in Prince William Sound in the Kenai Fords. Um, and then, so, but the West Coast community is one of the most interesting, um, in a bit of a conundrum. So it's split into what we believe to be several different um, communities. It's something I'm actually planning on looking at fairly soon in a, in a study. Um, and the different, one of the things was initially that these coastal killer whales um, were one major community. They were just, they spanned the entire coast from, you know, Southeast Alaska to Southern California. But there is an uneven distribution or overlap between them. So you have these killer whales in California, let's say, people initially were called California transients. And when a catalog for them was published in 1997, uh, the first catalog for them, uh, they were, you know, they were a community that didn't frequently come up to British Columbia. But it's not as clear as that. Like, like I said, there's no boundaries for these animals, and we're increasingly getting more and more reports. And this could be just from more people being on the water and actually seeing these whales, and people are getting better at identifying each individual, that these killer whales are actually coming up to British Columbia, they're coming up to Alaska, and they're identified as these California whales. So we, I joined a group in Monterey called Marine Life Studies in uh, 2015, and I joined another group in California called Saving Ocean Wildlife. It's another nonprofit. Um, and they, I, we basically, because there hasn't been a catalog of killer whales since 1997, or anything really publicly available, the whale watch community was very interested in having us, or having me create a catalog um, to share with them. So unfortunately, because many of the animals in the 1997 catalog that have the CA California designation have either died or have sprouted, or, you know, there was even a lack of calves in that catalog. Um, so it was mostly just focused on adult. It was very adult centric. Um, there was a need for a real change and talking with um, representatives at NOAA recently, that is, seems to be the case. So we've just completed a new catalog with um, as many animals as we can. It was basically based on a 2006 to 2019 study. Um, we analyzed over 100,000 photos. Um, and we now give these animals a different designation um, called an OCT, which means it's outer coastal transient, which distinguishes them from transients that are coastally seen in British Columbia that give the T designation from the Department of Fisheries and Oceans Canada. So it basically just means that they're not found commonly in the coastal waters. And most of them are sited throughout the central California or what we call the Monterean uh, Pacific eco region, um, which is off central California. So that's kind of where that comes from. Okay. So we have like the Southern resident orcas and then we have the transient orcas and then we have like the offshore orcas. Is that, is that a, a good way of kind of distinguishing them? Yeah. So you have the resident orcas. So there's a couple of different communities of residents. You have the Northern residents, you have the Alaskan residents and you have the Southern residents. Um, so they're the one ecotype or resident killer whale. Then you have the other ecotype offshore killer whale and then the other ecotype transient. And then within that ecotype, there's multiple populations or subpopulations um, that have their own ranges or that 
partially overlap and um, their own kind of prey preferences. For instance, like the killer whales, the transients in British Columbia prefer harbor seals in their diet. Very nice. Yeah, and then the killer whales in California seem to be more gray whale hunters or uh, California sea lion specials. Ah, the whale that ate jaws. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another question I have um, is... In 2018 and 2019, we've seen um, a lot more orcas in the news, specifically the southern resident killer whales. Now, during that time, um, I do believe it was 2019, we've seen um, a huge spike, I feel like, in transient sightings up in like the San Juan Island area. Are they having any issues with their food or um, the pollution or the boat noises like the southern resident killer whales are? So, yeah, that was that's interesting. Um, so... Transients are actually doing quite well um, in comparison to the southern residents. There seems to be a bit of a, an ecosystem change. Uh, the killer whales, the southern residents have kind of been displaced almost in a way. Um, their food source has kind of dissipated as Chinook salmon seems to decline, seems to be declining. Um, and they've had to search elsewhere. So they're actually spending more time now in California. We actually bumped into them, bumped into Elpod um, from one of the southern resident communities in Monterey, California last year which was really, really exciting and interesting. Um, and then the transient community, their, their, their food source is increasing so um, or stabilizing. We now know that harbor seals have actually stabilized their population levels, uh, which is uh, super good for the killer whales. I mean, and, but the problem is, is that, I mean, we only have so much to go on by saying this is, an, this is an increase in the population. It might just be a normal of the population. I mean, these killer whales... Um, we don't know beyond the 1970s what the population was like. And that is also a cause for um, an interesting cause because you look at also that the harbor seal population had been called or killed by fisheries um, and fishermen. Uh, there was a major call throughout the, um, the 1960s that decimated harbor seal populations. And transients weren't very frequent back then in the 1970s. They were kind of, a, a, you know, sporadically seen. Uh, so, but you don't have any baseline data before that to say that what's a new normal. So these orcas are most likely, and this could be their normal, like the seals are back and um, to their normal levels or they're leveled out. And um, this, the transients, this could have been what the historically transients had looked at, looked like at one point. Interesting. That, I guess I've never really thought of it like that. So with the transients um, being mammal eaters, do they have a higher risk of um, getting pollutants into their body and then spreading it to their calves? Yeah, definitely. Um, so they're, they feed higher on the trophic level or the, the food web. So they're, they're basically eating they, the bioaccumulation is the term that we give it uh, when there's an accumulation of some sort of toxin, PCB, DDT, um, methylmercury, those kind of things that build up in the tissue of, of killer whales. And uh, because they eat higher up than resident killer whales, um, they accumulate way more toxins. And it's particularly in adult males, they seem to be the ones that are shown higher amounts of these um, pollutants than females. Females, you know, they can, they can get rid of the, uh, a fair amount of the toxin by um, basically during lactation periods or during nursing when they are uh, basically the calves nursing and getting that fat rich milk that delivers those fat producing toxins. <laughs> and um, then the, so the calf ends up getting it. So there's definitely a higher risk for transient killer whales to actually have toxins in residence. 
And that's kind of scary. I mean, if we're seeing kind of, a, you know, a good, solid, stable way for the transients right now, and then if that becomes a problem for calves and anything like that, um, what, what is something that we can do to help the pollution and that hopefully we can at least minimize our uh, negative effect towards um, the transients? How can we minimize it? Well, I think that uh, a lot of it was the government has already, you know, a lot of these toxins that are very dangerous have been banned in most countries. Um and, you know, monitoring is important. Um, you know, I, there was a paper that was published that said that harbor seals um, are already seeing a decline in the toxins in their body. So it will take time, though. It's not like, you can, yeah, so I mean, it's not like you can just go and clear the toxins from these animals through, you know, some sort of medical or medicine. Um, this will take generations where these animals, you know, when an animal dies and another one is born you'd have to keep monitoring through biopsying and, and looking at these pollutants in their blubber. Um, and that will take time. So it will probably be quite a while before you actually see that the pollutants that were say PCB and DDT which were used in the 1970s quite extensively will start to dissipate out and become less in concentration. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're on the right track, at least at this point in time, if we've seen, you know, research saying that the pollutants have gone down in harbor seals. That's that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Um, so do southern resident killer whales and transient whales ever reproduce together? That's a good question. Um, as far as we know, no, there hasn't been any reproducing uh, between southern residents and transients. There's no um, mixed breeding or sharing of genetics or genes. Um, and uh, that's fairly old. Um, They've done studies now where they've shown that transients have basically diverged from both residents and offshore killer whales uh, approximately almost 700 to 750,000 years ago. Um, wow. Yeah, so transients actually represent probably one of the oldest assemblages or lineages of killer whales um, out there. And that's uh, that, you know, has recently been acknowledged as that they are a, a new subspecies. So resident and transient have been designated subspecies of killer whale. Um, and, pos- and it's been also argued that they should be, um, their name, sh- their species should be um, as it's a new species. And that's really exciting, but there's so much that we don't know because is it the fact that killer whales can, can possibly interbreed and produce uh, in a viable offspring that goes to the biological species concept and that the fact that in captivity it's actually happened so you've had killer well um killer of different ecotypes from iceland and from from the pacific northwest that have been able to interbreed and produce offspring and that's where it's kind of difficult is it a choice that they're making like if you know you're not wanting to date someone you know like you know because oh, right. you you're not attracted to somebody you know it could be the same for them like maybe that uh, their social, their social circle, or their also their social patterns, um, based on what they hunt in that is very different. So being able to hunt with someone that hunts similarly to you, that you you know you're going for harbor seal and not salmon, takes skills that have developed over a long time. So intermixing may not be something that's energetically favorable. Um, for these different whale types. Interesting. Um, so there was something that happened. Um, I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019, um, but we seen kind of the first um, killer whale. Uh, I think it was a mother and a son that had killed a calf. Do do we know if that, those were transients or if those were southern resident killer whales? Yeah. So that was the first event of um, infanticide, which is a behavior used by um, adult males typically. Um, and killing offspring of females and it usually is to cause females to go into heat and basically into breed again um and that was transients um so that was a coastal transients that had had caused that infanticide so yeah it, it it has happened um before 
so yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely something interesting and new to killer robot ecology. That was one of the most interesting interesting things that I had ever seen. I couldn't believe it. And at first, you know, because we didn't have an ID on the orcas, of course, as I'm asking you now. Um, but at first, I, I was really hoping that it wasn't the southern resident killer whales. I was like, he can't be doing that at this time, guys. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was a little nervous. Yeah. I agree. Um, so my last so, yeah, exactly. Um, so my last question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've researched orcas all over the world, and you've recently even spotted the type D orcas, which I would love to have you back on to talk about that as well. Um, but a um, an article in Orcazine called uh, Chasing the Impossible, you said that your favorite whale was CA-60. Can you tell me a little bit about him? So CA-60, so we call him OCT-1. Um, that's his, that's his, uh, his OCT number. Uh, can OCT. opener. Um, he's a, an outer coastal transient that we haven't seen in many years. He possibly could be dead or is dispersed, but, um, from, from just photographs and that has been sent in to us, he's potentially one of the largest whales that we had ever seen, uh, more one of the largest transient killer whales we had ever seen. And, um, I saw him for the first time in 2009 off race rocks. And that was kind of when I first started wanting to study the killer whales and, uh, offshore of you know, Monterey in California was when I saw these outer coastal tees show up. And it was really a really neat scenario. We had actually found a group of transients called the, the T99s. They're a coastal group. They had just finished off a California sea lion. Um, they had just killed it. And we kind of just arrived. And somebody ahead, a fishing boat up ahead, had actually said, um, hey, just to let you guys know, there's um, more killer whales coming your way. Uh, and we were like, oh, geez, like the possibly residents it might have been j-pod and they're coming directly towards us so we were really excited we, we, we waited with the t99s to see what would happen and this was uh in 2009 and suddenly out of nowhere um there was more transients around us massive group of them um probably close to 40 to 50 whales and they had and in this group we so we were snapping off photographs trying to get as many ideas as we possibly could and within this group was this massive male um, large notch, kind of like a can opener, if you can kind of think of it, um, that kind of uh, notch just towards the bottom of the dorsal. Uh, he was with all these other animals, and even adult males were beside him, and he he was just huge. Um, and I, you know, that could just be the dorsal fin just looks. It could be just a morphological feature of the dorsal fin that makes it look huge like that, or it could be actually that he's a big whale. But um, they had just been circling around, um, doing this weird circular pattern around our boat. Um, and it was such a neat thing. And I didn't know who that whale was at the time. So I started chasing down sightings of, you know, and trying to figure out who he was. And I finally figured out CA-60. And I saw a photograph a couple of years later in 2014 of him porpoising or breaching kind of out of the water, half breaching out of the water. And he was just massive. And he was beside his presumed mother. And uh, he basically um, just dwarfed her in size. And, and But we have never seen him again since, I mean, our last report of him was around 2014. Um, and uh, he could be dead or just dispersed from the area. Wow. And that's, God, that's got to be such a, the coolest thing to ever see. I mean, I went on a whale watching boat um, a couple years ago and it was, you know, I totally cried. You know, it was the first time I'd ever seen them out in the wild. So it was amazing. But to see them like, breaching and uh porpoising and even spy hopping i think that would be the greatest thing in the entire world that's so amazing yeah it was pretty cool i mean i've been lucky now i've got to be around the world i got to see the type d like you like you said i saw twice last uh or this year and last year i saw them um and uh i'd love to chat with you sometime about those guys they're, they're pretty spectacular 
Oh, that'd be great. I would love that so much. Um, and just a quick note too, um, if you if you guys have a catalog and everything like that of the T's and the CA's and the OCT's, um, w can we find that anywhere online or can we donate to get like a membership anywhere to get that? Yeah, so um, that's kind of in the process right now. We're just finishing. Um, we're, there's a little bit, it's kind of a, a neat thing. It's like a field guide. It's got some really good information on orcas. It's got uh, um, uh, sightings, uh, different things about behavior. Um, that will be coming out fairly shortly. We're just kind of finishing it off. Uh, so I can definitely let you know. I think we'll have it posted. Uh, we'll post information on it on the, the Transient Killer World Research Project on Facebook. Um, or you Perfect. can email us at transient, uh, transientproject at gmail.com and get more information. It should be out fairly soon the next month. Awesome. Oh, I'm so – well, that was the perfect timing to get you on here then, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> that definitely. worked out great. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this is going to wrap up uh, the first guest episode. Thank you again so much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. Wow. Thanks for having me. Um, anything else that you would like to add on or um, anything that I can link into the description box of this episode? Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, if you want to learn more about some of our work we're doing, uh, the Transient Killer Research Project or Marine Life Studies is another great uh, link to go and check out. And um, both of those have um, areas you can see what information on killer whales and uh yeah, we're looking forward to seeing sightings from people that might be listening in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys learned everything that you possibly can or even more. I know I learned so much today. So thank you so much again. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Alrighty. We shall talk soon. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye.